I'm Todd Dills, and in this edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast, we'll be talking about the increasingly common scenario of identity theft, which can be a huge negative to your credit rating, of course. It happened to owner-operator Scott Reed a few years back. His identity was stolen by a still undetermined individual far west of his Ohio home, and after being surprisingly denied on a simple credit application, he was pulled over in the normal run of trucking, notified there were several warrants out for his arrest out west. And that's when the reality of just what had happened to his credit truly sank in. Along the way, he had to let go of a prized power unit, claw his way back into profitability after a health issue, and more. He tells the rest of the story following, and along the way we'll hear the story of how he got into the business of trucking as well. He shares a resource that's worked for him to clean up his credit following the identity theft scenario. One, uh, and there are others like it out there, that he says he'd recommend as an alternative to large lump sum attorneys who deal in such matters. The National Lexington Law Firm specializes in the area of identity theft and credit cleanup. And their service is a monthly subscription that continues until such time as the problem is resolved or can serve as an ongoing credit monitoring service for issues that arise continually. I'll let Reed take over the story from here. We talked back in, about this all back in late April when I joined Reed for two days worth of trucking around his home state. Search his name at overdriveonline.com to read more about his efforts at spurring grassroots protest efforts against the ELD mandate. Now here's Scott. Oh, uh, is that the truck show? Uh, my credit was in the 700s. What year was this? 2014. Okay. Fairly recent. 15. 15, okay. Uh, I applied for an Amex. They had a really good deal on Amex, American Express down there. They was offered. And we had put $46,000 into my kid worth, so I was at the point that if I had a, if I had to replace the motor, I didn't have 25000 for that. So I applied for the Amex and thought, well, I could use that for emergencies. And got denied. Then spent the rest of the weekend not understanding why I got denied. And uh, oh, about a week, week and a half later, I got pulled over on the way home. And the cop come up to the door and he goes, Mr. Reed, do you aware that you got eight warrants out for your arrest? And I couldn't think of eight things that I had warrants out for. And he said, well, they're looking for a guy that's five foot ten, light brown hair and blue eyes. And obviously, anybody that knows what I look like, I've got him for. So, later on, the deputy called me later that night, and he told me where the warrants were and what they were for. They were all out in uh, Arkansas, New Mexico, Arizona, and... uh, I hadn't been to New Mexico or Arizona in oh, 
10 years, nine years, something like that. And uh, they, uh, I went through some channels and, you know, attorneys were wanting like five, six thousand dollars down and then, you know, they're telling me I can get, you know, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars into it. torqued off and you know why do I have to spend upwards of ten thousand or more to clear my name for something that I didn't do. Kinda like getting screwed both ways. Uh, so what was the deal here? Uh, essentially this guy, somebody out there uh, had, had stolen your identity and your or ruined your, your credit situation, right? Yep. Do you know, do you have any idea, I, mean, I know these things happen in multiple different ways, any ideas how, uh, how this happened? Did you ever, ever get to the bottom of it? I've got a good idea. Uh, I take that back. I have, I have been to Arizona a couple different times. But I never bought anything except for using my fuel card or maybe use my debit card to buy dinner or whatnot. Right. Uh, I honestly wonder if uh, every time we go to shippers and receivers, they want our license, they want our information. Right. Uh, you know. I don't think that a shipper, you know, if they ask to see our license, I can see that, but to make copies of it or make us write our license numbers down with our name on there, uh, I think it puts us at risk. I don't do any online shopping hardly. Right. Generally, I because I've got myself on so much of a budget. Yeah. You know, I might pay bills with my card, like, you know, electric bill and right. cell phone bill. But as far as shopping, normally I know what I got to pay in bills, and then I just go to the bank or ATM and yeah. pull out my allowance, basically. Yes, for sure. And then I pay cash for most of my stuff. Uh, just because of all the credit card fraud and everything else, I don't like use them. Yep, yep. But it seems like plastic is the way of the world, so I've actually found places that won't accept cash. Really? <laughs> uh, I broke down in the middle of the night one night, the guy couldn't fix my truck, wouldn't take cash. Uh, told me I had to take card or com check. <laughs> So, remember the old uh, nylon semis, the toy metal semis you could buy at Toys R Us back in the day? Sure. Uh, I had a whole fleet of those when I was like two. <laughs> uh, that barn sitting in the office there, that little barn, wooden barn, I don't know if you've seen that, green and white one. Uh -huh. My dad built that for me when I was a kid. That was my, that was my truck garage. And... In fact, 
Silver Knight Express, which is my company, I actually named after one of them toy semis. Um, so yeah, I, I was fascinated with semis at a very early age, and then Grandpa farmed, so you know, driving truck with them was kind of like a farm thing. My uncles were steel haulers, grain haulers. Um, my second cousin Alvin drives a truck. They were kind of like my, I guess, I don't know, not heroes, but guys that I looked up to growing up. Sure. And then a friend of my dad's, Gene Harpist, uh, he was a truck driver back in the day. He had a cab over Mac that I thought was like the sweetest looking truck in the world. Right. And, you know, I used to sit in his truck. We'd dad go down there and visit, and I'd, I'd spend hours sitting in his truck just thinking, man, I wish I could drive this thing down the road. <laughs> Your dad almost bought a truck, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, he went to the bank, got approved. They was going to give him the money for a brand new W900. But my mom said she wasn't going to live that lifestyle, so that went out the door. Then I started hauling grain as a teenager. I got a farm permit when I was 14. Uh, I got my CDL permit at 17 and a half. Then I skipped school on my 18th birthday to go get my license. Uh, went and drove a truck for a large farm in McGuffey, Horace Farms, which they're a pretty big deal now. I think they farmed about 10,000 acres back then. Uh, somebody tell them, last I heard, they're up to like 32,000. They do a lot of carrots and tomatoes. Okay. And uh, they farm in the buck, the swamp. Which Ohio does have that kind of area, believe it or not. Uh, very fertile, great for growing carrots. Uh, but I drove for them. I found a job opportunity down in Texas, working on a harvest crew. I've always loved farming. So I went down there to, I gave everybody three days notice and hopped a plane to Texas. And went down there, uh, did a little driving down there, hauling the equipment and whatnot. And I went down there because I wanted to run a combine all summer. How, how old were you at that point? I just turned 19. Okay. And uh, so I went down there, uh, ran combine for a little bit, boss fired the truck driver he had. He asked if anybody knew how to drive a truck. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, I guess I could take a little break. Well, he was supposed to find somebody else to drive the truck, but then after about two and a half weeks, he goes, well, it's like this. I can find combine operators all day long. I can't find truck drivers all day long. <laughs> so I was stuck in a truck after that. And for harvest purposes, I was allowed to get a harvester endorsement on my license. So that allowed me to drive all over God's green earth as long as it was for harvest purposes. Yeah. 
that's also when I started pulling oversized because we was hauling the combines and we'd have a combine and then we'd hook a, a trailer behind the combine that would hold uh, two uh, the 36 foot Hydroflex Macan heads. So some states I was over with and over length at the same time. Uh, so I did that and much as I didn't like my father, or not say didn't like my father, just we didn't get along. Right. He kept hearing that stupid song, Cats in the Cradle, <laughs> and it seemed like I was hearing it like four or five times a day, <laughs> and kind of missed the old man, so that's why I came home. Good. Uh, I did that for about a year, lived out there doing that. It's a very rough lifestyle. I don't know that I can live that life again. Uh, but yeah, I came back home and all started. I needed a job when I got home. A friend of mine asked me if I'd build a flatbed up for him. And he was getting in a deal with this guy hauling crushed cars out of junkyards places and shred them. Yeah. So I built the trailer and then he goes, well, I thought I was going to have this one guy do it, but, you know, can you do it? So, yeah, I guess I can. I did that and then I hauled grain for a, another fella too. And, but yeah, the, then I turned 21 and I had answered an ad in the paper for Innovative Logistics son of the former owner of ComWest, okay. which when I was growing up, I always wanted to pull a ComWest trailer. Between ComWest and, uh, and, and uh, Steelcase, I think they had some of the prettiest trucks on the road for company trucks. So, he turned me down on the job. He said, I don't know that I want to hire somebody as young as you was concerned about, you know, the areas that we'd have to go, because he did a lot of northeast of Chicago, yeah, sure. and tight docks, and, you know, the east coast was built back in the 16 and 1700s, and never really advanced for trucks, yep. so he turned me down, and of course, I tried to get the job before I was 21, because I'm like, well, I'm getting ready to turn 21, and then like a week, and I thought, you know, maybe by that time, well, Three days after uh, I turned 21, I got a phone call. My birthday was on a Wednesday. He called me on a Saturday and asked me if I would run a load to Chicago because his driver, he had a driver quit and he did LTL, so you know he had to get that stuff moving. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, I don't know. He goes, well, if I paid you this much, and I said, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll do it for, he told me what he offered, and I offered him a lower price. I said, well, I'll do it for a lower price on this trip if you give me a job. Uh, trying my hand to negotiate. All right. And he goes, so if, I, if you do this for me and I give you, you, you know, 
I give you a job, you'll do this? I said, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And uh, he said, well, uh, let me think about it. About two hours later, he called me and goes, I need you to go take a pre-employment drug test. So I went and took a pre-employment drug test, went and filled out some paperwork, and I started driving for Innovative Logistics, which was probably one of the worst decisions I made in trucking, but probably one of the best decisions I made in trucking. Uh, I got a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. I got a lot of a lot of uh, knowledge on the workings of you know the brokering side and uh, LTL and cargo securement because we would haul machines out of Massachusetts and uh, Maine that guys would build. I mean, these were like, you know, once every three or four month loads, but these machines had, uh, oh, it's like a special eye that can pick things up faster than a human eye can. Okay. So like you can send like a hundred bottles through, or not necessarily bottles, but a hundred items through the machine and it would pick them all up in like a half second or something like that. Okay. So, and those were very sensitive machines. They had to be tied properly and you had to be careful going down the road and uh, whatnot. And then, you know, you'd have to put a, things in around it with E-Track and all that. So, I, that was a very, honestly, I have to say that was a very big step in my career as far as knowledge. Not only that, uh, because of being LTL and all the places that we would go, I definitely had to keep an eye on my truck routes, weights. Uh, I'd have issues because some of the places that we delivered to, I've had cops try to arrest me in Dorchester, Massachusetts, because I had to unload. Federal law says that I can go on a no-truck street if that's where my destination is. Uh, Dorchester Mass Police Department says differently. Okay. In fact, they tried to tell me I had to have a parade permit to block the street. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my grandmother said at an early age that, you know, Scotty's a roamer. He just can't stay put. <laughs> I, I mean, I get up at uh, get up in the morning and eat breakfast, I couldn't wait to get outside. I'd be back at the creek or in the woods or, yeah. you know, I'd uh, start riding bicycle and, and what's over here, what's over there? And, you know, I got a dirt bike and then it was just kind of like, okay, now I can travel farther, <laughs> faster, you know, like, I always wanted to see what was over here. If I seen something that piqued my interest, I wanted to stop and see it. You know, trucking kind of did that for me. It allowed me to see the world through a windshield, but at the same time, there's a lot of moments that I've gotten put in places that have absolutely nothing to offer tourist-wise. But yet, at nighttime, I can lay on the flat bed or something like sit outside and just kind of look up and see the stars like I've never seen them before. And you know, when you're in a position like that, you're laying on the flatbed, you got your head laying on a roll tarp, and you're 
just kind of looking up at the sky and there's absolutely nothing to look at except the sky, but it's like the most peaceful moment in the world. And you don't get that everywhere. And I tried factory here and there and You did, okay. I hate factory. It's like reporting to jail every day. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I got a hold of a law firm that specializes in credit recovery and, you know, fixing your identity and stuff like that. After talking to some of these other attorneys that were a little more higher priced? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, maybe I'm getting a little better deal because they're kind of like a nationwide uh, law firm. Sure. Versus, you know, just one guy that's trying to make a buck. Yeah, what are they called again? Lexington Longer. Lexington, yeah. So, uh, so far I don't have eight warrants out for my arrest anymore. Uh, I don't have a Cadillac CTS attached to my name anymore that I never had. I don't have a Pontiac G6 attached to my name that I don't have. Although I surely wish I had my credit so I could go buy a Suburban, but you know, I gotta do with what I gotta do, I guess. One of the results of this, I know, because we were talking about this uh, a little earlier, was that, uh, that you, you sold, uh, you got rid of your, your Kenworth over this, right? Your W9. Unfortunately. Uh, I mean, that was. I had a health issue that stopped me from driving for six months, but after all the money that I had put into the truck and not being able to drive, I, I thought about putting somebody in the truck, but one, I'm kind of picky about who I let drive my truck. Two, because of the credit situation, you know, and, you know, like if I was able to get that Amex card, the American Express, right. uh, you know, I could have probably made my payments for six months off the card, uh, at least, or if I put a driver in it, uh, if I put a driver in it and I had a breakdown or something, I could have used the card to fix the breakdown. But considering that I had nothing to work with, um, considering I had nothing to work with, I didn't think it was fair to a driver to put him in my truck and then he have a breakdown and I not be able to pay for it and then sure. he's stuck on the road. Sure. So, uh, as much as I really missed my W900, um, I let her go so that I could break even on it and figure breaking even was better than going in the hole, so that's what we did. A year and a half, six months later I got cleared to drive again and got cleared to drive again and uh, I went to work for a farm and Uh, ended up leaving the farm to go back to trucking and miss trucking. 
So I went back to it. Yeah. And then after being an owner operator and driving for somebody else, it just couldn't, uh, kind of a hard pill to swallow. The uh, Lexington Law Firm, you've been uh, you've been working with them, and they they resolve. It sounds like they resolve the, the fees on a, on a kind of a monthly basis. Uh, is, that, is it sort of like uh, almost like you're subscribing to their service at this point, or what? Or are they still working on the case particularly? Yeah, it's $119 a month. Okay. Until it's resolved, is that how that, that works out? Well, they monitor your credit while you're using them, uh, but at the same time, uh, as far as I understand, it's $119 a month until things are fixed, which is pretty reasonable. Yeah. I mean, even even they're going through, I got medical bills and whatnot, they're going through on the medical bills and challenging the medical bills, and a lot of the medical bills are reversed. Uh, they're, they're getting reversed. Okay. And there's like nine medical bills that they've got reversed that are off the credit now. So. Okay. Which I guess is the best way to go about it because uh, that Neil Ford's guy says that it's better to fix your credit than it is to go bankrupt. Okay. So, and you'll be able to rebook your credit faster. You go bankrupt and you'll get worse uh, interest rates and stuff. Yeah, you get dinged and it lasts for quite a long time. And now, if you file bankruptcy, you're responsible for part of the debt. Right. 